All right, folks, before we get to the main thing, I want to let you know that this episode of Oil & Gas Upstream is made possible by our good friends at Technip FMC. Now, you probably know them for their subsea business, but did you know that Technip FMC is doing fantastic things for the industry at the surface? The latest innovation is called Emission. And Emission will let you monitor and control vapor pressure in real time. To learn more, visit technipfmc.com. Oil and gas production is the union of natural systems with advanced science and complex engineering. Smart people across the globe create this remarkable place we call Upstream, and each day brings a new challenge. This is the Oil & Gas Upstream Podcast, where we look at how these systems come together and learn from the people who make it happen. Welcome to Oil & Gas Upstream. I'm Elena Melkert, your host. Some of you know me as the former director for Oil & Gas Upstream Research at the U.S. Department of Energy. I retired from the DOE about a year ago and founded a small consultancy and became a podcast host. Before I introduce our guest, I want to thank Technip FMC, our sponsor. And I want to ask you to do me a big favor by answering a one-question survey. It takes about 10 seconds, and the link is in the show notes below. In return, we will happily send you some stickers for your laptop or your hard hat or your car. And now I'd like to introduce today's guest, Cameron Thompson, advising geologist with Devon Energy. Hi, thanks for joining us today. We're actually uh, recording from NAEP, NAEP Summit, 30th anniversary. Mm -hmm. Cameron, uh, thanks so much for joining us. Um, Tell us a little bit about uh, how you got into oil and gas business, your oil and gas background, maybe your your education or something like that. Who is Cameron? Sure, no, glad to be here. Um, Well, um, I grew up in Oklahoma City um, my whole life. Um, My dad was a geologist. His brother was a geologist. Their dad was a geologist. So I kind of just... It's in the uh, family. Yeah, I kind of just uh, followed the family tradition, third generation geologist um, working out of Oklahoma City. Um, Went to Oklahoma State for both bachelor's and master's degree. And um, while I was doing my master's degree, I started working at Chesapeake Energy and um, worked there after I finished school um, for five years and then uh, moved to Devon in 2011. I've been there almost 12 years now. Exciting. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Boy, you were just, it's in your blood. Yep, it's in that's your what blood. They say. And, your, and your family was also in Oklahoma. I mean, yep. just Oklahoma geologists. Yep. Ah, okay. Yep, that's great, right. great. So Texas is a little bit different then, right? From yeah, yeah. I worked um, the first half of my career in mid-continent, Oklahoma, Texas Panhandle, Anadarko Basin. And then um, in 2014 is when I started working the Eagleford trend in South Texas. Excellent, excellent. So um, do you have any projects that you're really excited about you want to share with uh, our, our listeners? Yeah, for sure. Um, it's a project that we're actually here at the NAEP Summit. Um, this, um, on the 30th anniversary, they started a technical track um, on the Wednesday day before the NAEP Summit. They've always they've had a business track for several years and they've just they've joined with AEPG to start a technical track and they um, asked us to present on a project um, where we used um, DOE funded money from the hydraulic fracture test site um, one phase three um, to investigate refracts in the Eagleford and, um, and did a lot of good diagnostic work and a lot of char- characterization and um, you know, found a lot of interesting things interesting things about refracts and we presented at Urtech this past summer. Um, HFTC is going on this the same week um, here this week in the Woodlands um, where we presented several papers and talks and then um, we're here 
we're asked here at NAPE to present as well. So yeah, uh, we're yeah, kind of yeah. doing the world tour on presenting this project. And I mean, it was a public, it was a funded government funded project. All the data is out there to be consumed. Um, there's no restrictions on it. So um, uh, GTI is handling all that. Um, but yeah, there's it. We produced a lot of good data. Turned out a really good project. And uh, we're presenting and did some of the analysis we did. But there's a lot more analysis to be done on this data set to uh, those that are interested. So, yeah, you know. yeah. Well, I didn't. So let me back up just a little bit. I um, didn't realize that this was the first year for the tech technical track. Yep, yep, sure. Because I haven't been able to come to Nate in some time. Yeah, this is my first year ever here. Was this your first year ever? Yep. Yeah, no, I came a long time ago, and I'm trying to think about what year. Um, but it was only, and that's right, it was only a business track, and then there was the exhibit. Mm-hmm. You know, yep. exhibit hall with all the, that's yep. where all the action is, and yep. that really, really, really fun. So when I got here uh, and found of the technical track, um, I was surprised. I thought, oh, have they been doing this all along? Because the mm-hmm. paper titles, or the, the subject titles, are really uh, uh, fascinating. And so yours had to do, what's the title of the project again? The, the title of the project is uh, Refracts, um, Do They Work or Not? Oh, yeah, Basically. Was It Worth It? Was It Worth It, yeah. I forgot. We've had several titles it? for different yeah. presentations, so yeah. I can't keep Well, you've it. been presenting. I mean, you and your team have been presenting um, all around, as you said, um, here uh, yep. in today's presentation. So, so Refracts. So some of our listeners aren't subject matter experts. So let's back up a little bit. We are talking about hydraulic fracturing. Yes. We are talking about Texas, a really prolific um, field, Eagleford, in te- both oil and gas, yep. right? Yep. Uh, in in the in Texas, this uh, so refrac has to do with. Um, going in and trying again. So set up the challenge for us for some of the people who aren't really that familiar with, you know, hydraulic fracturing as a, um, a, a, a refract, as sure. a strategy for increasing ultimate recovery. Sure. So our Eagleford field was predominantly developed in the 2012 to 2015 time range is when we really got after primary development drilling, drilling the first wells in the section and kind of carpet bombing, you know, the whole section, the whole drilling unit, drilling it all up. So back then we were in our Gen 1, Generation 2 type completions, which completion technology has come a long ways very fast, and I think it will still continue to go that way. So the completions we're doing now are three, four times the size of what we were doing then. However, most of our wells are completed with that old generation completion design. So um, we know we're getting a lot better efficiencies now with our new completions, getting a lot more oil on the ground, increasing our recoverables. So the question is, can we go back to those old wells where we know we're understimulated and get the hydrocarbon out of the ground by re-entering the existing well bores, putting a modern style completion on them, and you know, boosting our reserves and our estimated ultimate recoveries. Yeah, yeah. So you go into the same wells? Yes. Yep. Yeah, we go into the same well. Um, there's two different types of refracts that we've tried. Uh, bullhead, some people call it a pump and pray. It's where you um, don't run. You just go and you might re-perforate, put some new perforations in the ground. But for the most part, you just refrack into the exact same well bore. It goes up to the same perforations. Um, those aren't great. We didn't see a great uplift in our um, recoverables and our um, EURs and our production. We think a lot of that, there's no diversion. So a lot of your fracture stimulations going into the heel of the wells. Um, we're not getting out past maybe halfway out the ladder with our completions. So they're a lot cheaper, but they weren't very effective. The second time of type of refract is a liner refract with plug and perf um, completion afterwards. So in that case, we clean out 
the existing well bore, pull the tubing out of the hole, do a really good job cleaning out the well bore, and then run inside the well bore with a smaller diameter pipe, a line, which we call a liner, and cement that liner in place, and then plug and perf um, with our standard modern completions. Yeah, yeah. So, so this is hydraulic fracturing test site one, the first one, mm-hmm. phase three. Yes. And so in this particular project, did you do both those things? Both? Um, no, this project was just a liner refract. We um, tried bullheads in the bullhead refracts in the Eagleford um, play. Oh, probably 2014, 15 timeframe. We started dipping our toes into it. Weren't really seeing the uplift. We'd see some good ones and some really bad ones. So it, just the predictability of your bullhead refract just wasn't there. Um, we decided to spend a little bit more money and test a liner refract. And that is where we got the best results. And so that's what we're deploying in the field today. And that's what the hydraulic fracture test site um, one phase three was investigating was a liner refract only. Right. right. And so um, you had quite a few people on your team. There were a lot of people presenting today. What yep. are some of the different points of view from this um, multi? Sure. Uh, yeah, we have, we have there's four of us presenting today. I think at Urtech we had six people presenting. Um, so it was a very big team. A lot more people worked on this project. We've had reservoir engineers, completions engineers, geologists, geophysicists, um, you know, completion optimization, SME type people. Um, uh, SME means subject matter expert. Subject matter expert, yep. <laughs> um, we've had, um, uh, you know, geochemists working on the project. We have um, a lot of our core um, stratigrapher, core describing folks um, embedded at Devon working on it, um, petrophysicists working on it, and some of the, a lot of the core lab testing we did. So, yeah, um, a whole slew of people working on it. So, the hydraulic fracturing test site one, phase one, took core. Mm-hmm. You, did you take new core or? You just use that core and that description and, and no, no. We um, we took new core in phase three. I think hydraulic fresh hydraulic fracture test site one phase one was in the Midland Basin. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think this money was originally allotted to be spent in the Midland. Um, I think there was a couple different changes of hands with this grant. Um, it ended up with Devon, and we're doing refract. They're looking for some a company that was actively doing refracts um, to distribute the grant to and. We applied for it because we do re- refracts on a regular basis just in our normal field development now. And so we said, this would be great. We can get this money. We can learn a lot more. And we, we're already, you know, have refracts kind of basically built into our frac schedule. And, um, yeah, so it just worked out nice. So you already knew a lot about refracking. I mean, your organization yes. having spent some time. So that really helped the success of this project, yes. some of your inter- internal learnings and being able to find, you teamed a lot of team members. So um, how many, like 20 people? Yeah, probably, yeah. Yeah, there was yeah. a lot of folks that um, got their hands on this data. I mean, it's, it was an exciting project. Everybody wanted a piece of it and wanted to look at it. It's, you know, some cutting edge stuff. So um, yeah, there was a, a lot of excitement around the company and a lot of people wanted to get involved and you needed a lot of uh, subject matter experts to, to dig through a lot of it. So. Yeah, well, there was a lot of instrumentation. I mean, you really yep. applied a lot of science yep. to this particular project. What are some of those those things that sure. uh, yeah, measurements? I'll, I'll walk through kind of the project setup that we were refracking a well um, and we drilled our a horizontal observation well 220 feet off of the existing Eagleford parent well um, with a with that observation well, we took 420 feet of horizontal core, trying to capture as much of the stimulated rock volume 
in the Lower Eagleford um, as we could so that we could characterize that. Um, after we cored and drilled to, uh, the total depth of the well, we ran an image log to get a better idea of how those fractures, hydraulic fractures in the reservoir look throughout the length of the well bore. Um, <clears throat> then we, um, let's see, then we ran in with casing and outfitted the casing with permanent downhole fiber, um, fiber optic monitoring and uh, like 10 gauges downhole external pressure gauges to measure pressure across the reservoir. And then... Um, Let's pause here for just a second with the fiber optics mm -hmm. and the gauge and the, pre and the sensors that would bring you the, the data up to the surface. So how'd you decide? I mean, how long was the well? Was the horizontal section? And how'd you decide where to put those? Um, the well was... Is that part of the feature of Yeah, the it was science? about 6,400 feet long was the length of the existing laterals. And um, the goal with placing the gauges was to put some near where we know hydraulic fractures were in the subsurface and some away from those. And then so we can measure pressure changes in conductivity across that well bore where we know there's hydraulic fractures and where there aren't. Yeah, yeah. What are some other um, sensors or measuring tools that you use? Um, we also, um, outside of that, we did um, on the parent well refract, before ref pre-refract, we went in the hole with um, acoustic perf imaging um, tool um, so we could measure the diameter of the perforations in the original completions and from that you can see the erosion on those perforations and from that you can use that as a proxy for cluster efficiency if more erosion means the perforation took more fluid and sand during the original completions and then after we ran the liner refract the parent well we went back in with that same tool and looked at the perforations, looked at the erosion, and determined what cluster efficiency we got. And we saw a tremendous uplift in cluster efficiency and therefore, you know, completion efficiency. So we went from about 20% cluster efficiency to close to 80% on average. Oh, yep. That's money. Yep. Yep. That's exciting. That's exciting. So were the um, same uh, areas, same perforations, same zones? Um, the ones that took most of the sand and the... No, we saw, actually saw a whole lot of new new perforations taking sand and fluid, meaning we're creating new fractures. New fractures, yep. yeah, yeah. Yep. So in the Eagleford, we, we have a theory, and we confirmed it with this project through some of the core work and core geochemical uh, sampling we did, that in the lower Eagleford, you're only draining really close to your hydraulic fractures. Once you get out past, away from hydraulic fractures, the matrix isn't being drained just it's that the permeability is is pretty low there so if you're not if you're not efficiently fracking the rock you're not going to be getting as much oil and gas as you want right so since you can only produce where those fractures are and you have some perforations that don't result some stages that don't result in fractures then you're leaving what you have access to, you're leaving a lot of oil or gas behind. Was this oil or gas? It's oil, yeah. This was a oil. low GOR black oil window. Ah, okay, great, great. So um, if you can't get uh, each perforation to give you lots of hydraulic fractures, um, a lot of fractures, then you have no hope of getting beyond that fracture zone. Yep. Um, yeah, you're to, wasting to, money and you're wasting uh, not getting much oil and gas back. Right, right, right. And so um, that's always a lot of data just from pressure mm -hmm. and from the condition of the perforations and the parent well. Oh, explain parent-child for people who don't understand that. Okay, well, we call parent wells the wells that were in the ground, the legacy wells that were drilled in 2013, and the child well um, would be a new well offsetting that. And in this project, we didn't talk about it today, but we also had two infill wells 
ourselves in this project as well, where we went through um, in this unit where we had well spacing at five or 600 foot and we put a new well in between those parent wells. So um, that we talk a little bit about that in our um, SPE paper for uh, HFTC, but um, we didn't really cover that in this talk today. So that paper was already, well, by the time this podcast comes out, a paper will be presented, so yes. you can talk about it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Share a little bit about that. I don't know what the paper number is. Forgive me. I don't know the SPE paper number, but... Um, we'll tell you what. You can get back to me. We'll put it in the show notes. Okay. Sounds good. Um, and so, yeah, it was a very comprehensive paper um, written for SPE HFTC conference that is taking place at the same time as NAEP this week up in the Woodlands. And um, it has probably 10 or 12 authors to it. It's, you know, a lot of the, the different folks I mentioned that worked on the project. I think it's close to 40 pages, but it's a comprehensive coverage of this whole project, including a lot of things we haven't talked about yet, including time-lapse geochem, also including we um, we did second and, and tertiary um, uh, pressure interference testing after uh, after the wells came online. So a lot of that data and a lot of that work is in the paper. So definitely encourage folks to, to find that and read it because it covers a lot. Yeah, yeah. Did you say time-lapse geochemistry? Mm-hmm. Oh, tell us about that because we know that... Um, when you've got very low permeability, every little channel is precious mm-hmm. as a conduit for the fluid. And so if you, can cre- if you create any sort of chemistry, any precipitation, you could block those throats and, mm-hmm. and even poor throats mm-hmm. as they're trying to get into those um, fracture channels, if you will, or something like that. So, so, so and time-lapse, so what did you do? So time-lapse geochemistry is taking the produced fluids and, try, and trying to fingerprint those where the oil is coming from. So in this case, um, a Devon methodology, we have a geochemist, geochemist at Devon that um, has a whole workflow and process, and so this is his his stuff. Um, but he, um, you take produced fluids from a zone that you know a well's producing from, so Lower Eagleford Wells producing Lower Eagleford oil, Upper Eagleford Wells producing Upper Eagleford oil, and there's the Austin Chalk Oil looks different too, and he used high-res, um, high-res GC, high-res gas Chromatography. Chromatography. I have a hard time saying that word. Um, <laughs> but um, yes, so high-res GC, and from that he can fingerprint the oils and where they're being produced from and being generated in the reservoir. And so we we looked at what the wells were producing from, where the oil was coming from pre-refrac, and those oils were predominantly being um, produced from the lower Eagleford, which is what you expect. The well is in the lower Eagleford. So then after we refract and we saw a lot more influx of oil coming from our upper Eagleford zones as well as Austin Chalk. So with our refracts, we think we were generating a lot higher um, uh, frac growth into up, upper Eagleford and into the Austin Chalk, getting um, more oils. Over time, those those declined and we saw more influx of oils from the lower Eagleford, but um, it, we do think we contacted a lot higher in zone on the, these modern day refracts than we did with the existing wells. And we also saw that with some fiber and some uh, other pressure monitoring techniques. So. Yeah, yeah. Let me just take half a second on uh, gas chromatography. So basically you take a sample of oil and you heat it up, burn it up, vaporize it, mm-hmm. and then uh, run it through a column. This is all done by a machine. You just put the sample in and mm-hmm. push the button and stand back. But in the early days, you had to actually build a column. Mm-hmm. The, it gives you a picture of the different chemicals that mm-hmm. are in um, that sample of fluid, in this case, uh, the oil. Mm-hmm. And so um, turn it into a gas, 
you figure out what's in there chemically, and that hence you got that fingerprint yep. at, that exactly. you, know, you were yeah, talking about. You explained about. it better than I could. <laughs> yeah, well, I did it. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I did it. Building the columns and all that, where columns are really big, and now they're just a tiny little, like the size of a quarter or something mm-hmm. like that. You can instantly get the information because that's the advancement of technology. And we're right. so, so proud of the oil and gas uh, business being so technologically advanced. Mm-hmm. That's great. That's great. And so... Um, so the time lapse—I forgot. So the time lapse geochemistry—it mm-hmm. gave you over time. You were able to you see where your oils are producing from and how that changes over time. Ah, very good, yep. very good, excellent, excellent. Yep. Well, um, so so what are some of the results that you got from this um, this uh, project, sure. this refract project? Yeah. Um, some of the main results are, you know, kind of one of the first bucket of diagnostics we did was try to characterize what the fracture network looks like from the parent well fractures, the old, not very successful um, completion design. And we used the core for that. And we saw, you know, very few, we saw a lot of hydraulic fractures across our 420 feet of core, but we saw very little propped hydraulic fractures. We saw, I think, 136 hydraulic fractures and only uh, 13 of those had any sign of propping on them. So that's the first big finding is we have a lot of, we did generate a lot of hydraulic fractures, but very little propped fractures. Um, so that's one reason why we think some of these completions aren't as good. We um, This is in the refract? This is prior to refract. Ah, prior to refract. Yeah. Sorry, I got so, lost here. Yeah. yeah, prior to refract. So that's why we think refracts work is because we weren't, you know, pro- we, we, we confirmed our theory that we didn't, you know, stimulate the reservoir very good. Um, and then... Um, Let's see, then with the fiber optic offset well, we're able to measure um, hydraulic fractures um, in the offset well with cross strain and be able to count hydraulic fractures and characterize how they look on fiber and determine that they were, in fact, new fractures being created in the rock. Because new fractures and redilating of existing fractures look very different on fiber optic um, data. So we were determined that we were generating um, new fractures and a lot of them. So that was a good finding as well. Um, one people talk a lot about with refracts stress reorientation when you deplete the reservoir um, the geomechanics downhole downhole change and your stress changes direction with fiber and an offset well we're able to measure that and for us it did not change from uh, prior um, stress directions and stress fields so everything looked similar to what it did before so um, that was another interesting finding um, so and that means for people what does that mean that well, you saw no change, that, that the well was oriented properly? Yeah, the well was oriented properly, um, and we still were able to efficiently frack wells even in the face of depletion. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, another key finding was, um, you know, we did um, sealed wellbore pressure monitoring. It's where you have sealed wellbores offsetting, and you basically use them kind of as another um, pressure point, um, t- sensor point in the reservoir so you can get frack half lengths and heights from that data so it was we got a good shape of what we think our um, stimulated rock volume is looking like in the subsurface so that helps with well spacing and other you know field optimization things so that was that was another good finding um yeah so so in stimulated rock volume means that that's the area around the well bore that actually had new fractures created or fractures created by the hydraulic fracturing process yes. as opposed to natural fractures but the so that's why we say stimulated mm-hmm. uh, rock yep. volume yep. and and that's hard to know what that is mm-hmm. yep yeah. for sure yeah and another thing we talk a lot about is contributing rock volume we know we create hydraulic fractures a lot further out than what we produce from, you know, because we can see hydraulic fractures thousands of feet away, but 
conductive or contributing um, rock volume is where you actually can place your prop in and produce from those. So um, we look at it in, in those two ways. We know we're getting out a lot farther than we're getting the prop in out and producing from. Yeah, yeah. And so how do you know that the fractures are going out that far? Um, we used fiber for one was a big one. Um, we had two fiber optic monitoring wells. We had the 14H permanent fiber, and then we also deployed fiber in a one of our new drill wells, which was a thousand feet away from some of our refracts. So we were able to get those two distances. And um, then we also use, like I mentioned, um, sealed wellbore pressure monitoring. We have a sealed wellbore, and you can use that as a uh, as a pressure sense, sensor downhole. And from the, if you have enough of those, you can create a picture of what you think that stimulated rock volume is looking like. Right, right. Yeah. So um, just to clarify for people who aren't that familiar with hydraulic fracturing, um, fractures are not going to, like, escape from the zone that you're intending to fracture. You know how far the fractures can actually go. And by design, they're not going to go up to aquifers or anything close right. to the surface or anything like yeah, that. Just sure. We know that. Yes. And, and there's there's controls for, for doing that. So I just wanted to put that out there just to remind people sure. that it's not just, you know, wild fracking, mm -hmm. I guess, is the way <laughs> people might, might think about that. Yeah. Well, um, and so there were a lot of partners in this. So you were brought into the project by GTI, mm -hmm. and this was hydraulic fracturing test site one. And uh, everybody knows that you know I'm former DOE, and then this project was. So, so what are your what are your? Uh, I mean, you've been in the business a little while. So, wh what are your thoughts about the future for upstream? I mean, I think it's I think it's bright. I mean, I think as we know, technology continues to advance at a very rapid rate. And I think as technology advances, we're gonna keep applying that to the oil field and keep finding new ways to enhance recovery, to get more oil and gas, find new reservoirs. Um, so, I mean, I don't think there's an end in, in the short term anyways. Um, I th I'm real excited about the future. Um, you know, we have enhanced oil recoveries, a big topic now and um, everyone's looking at. Um, so that's exciting. We're thinking about, you know, testing some of that in the Eagleford soon. So that's real exciting. Um, but yeah, no, I think um, it's a cutting edge, innovative industry. Devon Energy wants to be on the forefront of that, and it's a great place to work. They're very supportive of projects like this. Um, we have a very deep technical bench of experts across the company that specialize in all kinds of different things. Um, so it's, it's a great place to work, and it's great to work for someone that supports projects like this and allows their employees to take the time to work on, on really cool, innovative you know, highly technical projects. So it's been, it's been great and I'm excited for the next one. So. Absolutely. So your subject matter area is geology. Mm -hmm. So what might be some of the research questions that people could think about in terms of what, what else would, what, what would be the next kind of important thing for us to know? What's kind of some of the Holy Grail questions that we want research to pursue? Um, because we have a lot of people who think outside the box who mm -hmm. listen to the podcast. And so get those little brave put a little seed in somebody's mind about what might be something what might be the next important thing yeah i mean there's lots of cool things on the forefront you know like i mentioned enhanced oil recovery huff and puff um there's geothermal that's um it's picking up traction i think is very interesting carbon capture utilization and sequestration um is also very interested in um do it, you think that we could we could store in a depleted uh, unconventional reservoir enough pore space to i'm not it sure it definitely wouldn't go anywhere once you put it in there yeah, but. <laughs> maybe not i'm not sure exactly i'm not an expert on it but i know we have folks at devon that are working on projects like that and um like I said, I'm not a subject 
subject matter expert on that, but um, I know they need geologists, they need structural geologists, because um, you have to really, really characterize the reservoir, you know, to a very fine point if you're going to be injecting carbon and making sure that that carbon doesn't go anywhere. So, um, so there's a lot of work to do and a lot of, I think, future geologic jobs and out there for in that space. Um, you know, there's lithium brine mining is also um, very interesting, I think. Um, so that's another another cool thing. So, I mean, I think there's lots of cool things, even outside of oil and gas, that um, as a geologist, you excite me. And, you know, there's a lot more opportunities, hopefully, to coming down the, coming down the pipe. Yeah, yeah. No, I love that. I love that. Well, we are um, at the end of our time. Are there, is there anything you'd like to share? One last parting thought for our, our audience. That was pretty good, though. The, <laughs> the, the future is bright. That's pretty, pretty yeah, exciting. Yeah, no, it, it's, it's exciting times. Um, you know, I mentioned we did all this work on refracts. I, I probably failed to mention how successful they are. Um, you know, they're a very successful piece to our portfolio at Devon. We're excited to do a lot more refracts the bang for the buck is definitely there. You don't have to spend near as much capital and you get a lot of rate return on these projects. Um, so we're excited to do a lot more of them. Both of the wells were refracted in this project um, in the Skyby HFTS. I, I don't know if I should even mention Skyby because that's the name of the, the unit, but that's the name of the unit, Skyby. Um, but both wells were refracted were highly successful, very economic projects, um, and we learned a whole lot about what refracts are doing in the reservoir. So, um, you know, it's a good project, and we're going to be doing a lot more in the future. So. Yeah. So, have you analyzed all the data from this project? Or still, I mean, I would think there'd be so much you'd still be yeah, looking no, there's, at. Yeah. Um, no. There's people can probably look at this data for years. So okay. there's a lot of data, and a lot of things I haven't even mentioned yet. You know, we did a we all monitored a, a preload which a preload is where you inject water into a parent well to protect it from fr- being fracked into. Um, so it's kind of that parent-child relationship and dealing with depletion. We preloaded one of the wells on this in this project and monitored it on fiber. So that's, um, in I think, in the paper. So that's something else to look at. And, um, yeah, there's a lot more fiber data, data to look at, a lot more geochemistry data to look at. Um, so, yeah, there's, there's a lot more, to, lot more to do with this data set. So we're in this big data machine learning you know, AI or artificial intelligence potential. So that's yeah. that's very exciting. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. There seems like there's something for everybody, you yep. know, everybody. Well, Cameron Thompson, advising geologist <laughs> with Devon Energy, thank you so much for being with us today. Uh, no problem. It was a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you, everyone, for listening. Please give us a review and tell us what you like and what you'd like to hear more about on future podcasts. This is Elena Milkert, your host for Oil & Gas Upstream. More next time. Join us again next week on the Oil & Gas Upstream podcast, a production of the Oil & Gas Global Network. To learn more, go to OGGN.com.